the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Thank you to those of you who are tuning in at youtube.com slash cover3. Please, while you're here, thank you for spending time with us. Smash that like button. Jump in the chat. Have some fun. Uh, you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cover3. Smash the notifications. Then you get an alert anytime that we go live like we do here on Monday afternoons. Lots to get to today. Of course, uh, our big piece of business is the National Signing Day preview. Signing Day coming up on Wednesday. Some of the, the biggest prospects left to announce what it means. And, and we're going to get into the, the storylines, but a lot of these new hires trying to make a late push with some of the the biggest stars left on the board. So uh, excited to to guide you, the listeners, as well as us all through this, as we uh, are very pleased to have Bud Elliott to uh, to let us know who's who, what's what. Uh, we will be getting that in a little bit. But wanted to start with some of the news since the last time we gathered together, including one of the big quarterback chips in the transfer portal uh, has found its destination. Now, we still are waiting on Caleb Williams, and there was a – News, but not news moment for Caleb Williams today that I, I think at least sharpens our focus on it. But it is Jackson Dart, the former USC quarterback, that he will be headed to Ole Miss, a good get for Lane Kiffin. And I think we discussed some of this a little bit on either Wednesday or Thursday, looking ahead to Dart's decision, what it might mean for Caleb Williams. But now that the news is official, uh, what is the rest of that sort of Ole Miss picture starting to come together uh, looking like to y'all? Well, I, mean, I, I think Jackson Dart is really, really talented. And Lane Kiffin's offense is an offense that it involves a lot of really easy throws, but you can also unlock it more. Like if you have a big time arm, like I think Matt Corral has a legitimate arm. And it, it was fun to see them, you know, push the ball down the field. I think Jackson Dart, both athletically and arm talent wise, has the tools to do a lot of the same things there. So I, I would really not expect them from the Q, you know, QB position to, to miss a beat. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I think Matt Crow and Jackson Dart have a lot in common from just size, ability, skill, what they what they excel at, what they're better at, where they're weak. And I think that for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, I, I, I'm not going to say he's going to step right in and just do the same things Matt Corral did, but I don't think you have to change things up very much offensively going from Matt Corral to Jackson Dart. I think Ole Miss's offense is going to look very similar to what we've seen in the last few years, and I think that if you're the Rebels and you're still trying to compete in the SEC West where life does not get any easier, this is a nice little way of transitioning to make sure that you can kind of keep pace with where you're at. This is why you bring in Lane Kiffin to right? Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, this is why you do it. He can recruit. He can crush it out there. I mean, this is 
He's out there, I mean, working social media over. He's on his private jet posting pictures from everywhere. Um, again, this is what, I mean, the college football coaching industry is about talent acquisition. He is acquiring talent right now, and it's led to this, you know, number one class in the transfer portal. I do think it's interesting, though, because I agree with the talent aspect, like the talent's there. I'm just curious to know if the offense looks much different with Jeff Levy gone in Charlie Wise Jr. is only 28, who he did have when they at FAU, hmm. and I actually covered him when he was there. It was a little bit more of a hand-holding thing. Is Lane Kiffin just going to hand over the reins the same way he did with Levy? Is it the same offense? Like, is it the same, similar, you know, exact same concepts? What's it going to look like? And he's got to replace his defensive coordinator. All these pieces that are coming in are going to help in this package deal. Who's he have coming in with him? He's got the uh, the this this uh, Jackson Dart package deal. I think was probably even he more has Michael Trigg with him. Michael Trigg, the tight end out of Tampa. So I think that makes it even more interesting. The fact that you got a two for one special here uh, makes it even that much more appealing. I will say though for Lane because he tweeted out that graphic of him as the Tiger King with like you know the the transfer portal king or whatever. Yeah. I would just point out Lane, the Tiger King was just sentenced to twenty one years in prison. Right. So it's not, it's might, it might not be the best karma putting your face on that guy. At the <laughs> but he like, don't you feel like <laughs> Ole Miss is one of those programs who's perfect for the NIL era? I mean, they've already oh, got yeah. the Grove Collective. They've always pushed the envelope, and now they're like, we can do this. We can do this above board. Oh, let's go. I mean, it just feels. Feels like this is a match made in heaven with this school with Lane Kiffin in this era. And Lane was one of the first guys to come out and admit, hey, it's free agency. It's on there. Guys are wanting to go wherever they can get the highest value, and he's taking advantage of it. Yeah, old miss and NIL and then like vodka and training facilities. That's what Texas got that money for, right? Yeah. Was that it? Does yeah. Lane Kiffin become automatically someone who is on the path, especially in the transfer portal era that we can start looking at um, anytime there's a big quarterback on the board. It's like, oh, could go to Ole Miss, could go with Lane. Like, it, has he hit that status that Lincoln Riley had, you know, where it was just like automatically was going to be a spot? Jalen Hurts is going to transfer out of Alabama. It's like, well, if you go to Oklahoma, then you're going to step in, you're going to be able to put up numbers, and you're going to be able to have positive results. The, we've got a smaller sample size right now, and certainly not the number one pick over number one pick. But if Jackson Dart is successful, on the back, like right after Matt Corral, do we start to look at Lane as sort of that option anytime a quarterback decides to seek pastures elsewhere? I mean, I think that if if you're a QB looking for a new home, there are definitely worse options than Lane Kiffin. I think that he's got to be, I don't know if I would call him number two, but I, I definitely think he's probably in that top 10, top five kind of area for where you're looking for somebody who has that kind of history of developing quarterbacks and at least making quarterback look good in a quarterback friendly offense, which will allow you to put up numbers. Like I still think obviously Lincoln's going to be number one in that target. And I don't know, maybe to allude to something we'll talk about later, maybe Paul Christ is number two now in, mm -hmm. in that list of places that quarterbacks want to play for. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think so. It's obviously going to be an offense that will put up big-time numbers. Uh, and I, I'm curious as to what they run, to, to Danny's point. They they had a guy who we saw a lot of in the NFL playoffs named Devin Singletary there the, the last time that Kiffin and uh, and Charlie Weiss Jr. were paired up. And they very smartly used him a, a lot at, at FAU. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't uncommon to see him get 20-plus carries a game. They don't really have that guy at Ole Miss or, or certainly somebody who is, you know, likely to dominate the SEC uh, like um, you know, like Singletary was that league. But I, I have to imagine this is more Lane Kiffin hands-on with the offense, whereas Levy, uh, not that Lane wasn't hands-on before, but Levy's much more of a proven commodity as a play caller uh, than 
uh, than, than Charlie Wash Jr. has been. So we mentioned it, and Tom, you hinted at it. So Chris Hummer, who was on the show last week, told you everything you needed to know about the transfer portal and uh, some of the latest intel on Caleb Williams. He has, um, amidst just sort of a, the conversation, including USC, it is including Wisconsin, and Chris Hummer is reporting here in the last 30 minutes or so that UCLA is still in the mix. Uh, this from, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. He said a decision could, emphasis on the could, come as soon as this week. So we could have our, our Caleb Williams, our much-awaited Caleb Williams reaction pod sometime this week, or we could not because as Chris reminded you, he's someone who really could just show up in the fall and automatically change the future of a college football team. Um, you know, he and his family are not, um, they are, they are moving at their own pace through the process according to everything we've been able to tell. But with every day that passes, this looks less certain for USC. Let, let's take the temperature here. So what do we think Caleb Williams ends up doing? How do you think this thing is trending? How <laughs> is it trending slowly? That's how it's trending. And it's, I don't know that it is trending in any direction because like, okay, maybe so LSU's out of the mix. Maybe that's confirmed now or maybe, but I, it's been the same teams for like what, the last month? Like, I guess Wisconsin is the new team that, that kind of just recently entered the scuttlebutt in recent weeks. But I feel like it's been the same thing since the season ended and since it was clear that he was going to be leaving Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley left for USC. It's been like USC, UCLA was in the mix. LSU's been mentioned. Georgia was mentioned there for a little bit. Then Wisconsin came in. I I don't know that anything's really changed. I I think it's changed. I think that with every, I think that as things have progressed and as everything has gone further, like what has the news been? Well, one of the news has been the hire of Bobby Ingram as Wisconsin's offensive coordinator. And thanks to a handy dandy flow charts on Twitter and crazy Wisconsin fans who are over their skis at the idea that they're about to get uh, a quarterback of this kind of ceiling and this kind of talent. Um, there is the connection between Caleb Williams, father and Bobby Ingram. There's the relationship between um, is it, Let's see, Caleb's dad and Russ. Of course, Russ was the quarterback when Chris was the OC. Uh, also, Bobby Ingram's son and Caleb played high school together. Uh, there is a whole, um, you know, always sunny in Philadelphia meme uh, yes. of connections that all bring it to Wisconsin. And, you know, we only have one thing for USC, and it's Lincoln Riley. It is a big thing because it's who he committed to immediately. But for me, the trending has all been in the direction of Wisconsin just based on the time that the easiest and most simplest end to this story, Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley to USC, has not happened yet, which makes me think that something a little bit less obvious is where we end up. I get that, like what you're mentioning, the Bobby Ingram stuff. I get that has changed and like the fan predictions have changed and people feel like it's trending. I'm talking about from the actually Caleb Williams. Right. I don't think anything has changed. I think it's been the same process all along and we're just getting little tidbits of information and then we're reacting to it. And I don't think Caleb Williams has changed anything about his approach. I still think it's USC. So do I. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. You know, it's, it's probably very good publicity for a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram, that Wisconsin's been kept in the mix for as long as they as they have been. And right? Chris got a new deal. He just signed a contract, or at least they just announced a contract extension. You never know with those things. They could have been in the works for a while, but hmm. I probably have. I lean USC, but I'm 
a little more frustrated if I'm a coach. Clearly, Lincoln Riley, like his future is, is you know, hanging in the balance over this kid that he left hanging. I mean, let's be honest. But from the standpoint of like, you got to get to work. Like, you need like uh, teams are starting off season conditioning. We've already seen teams starting to train together. You know, spring football, spring practice starts right around the corner. You like, if you want to win. I think you need to get there. Now, if you just want to be the number one overall pick, which seems to be a massive priority, then I guess there's not that much of a rush. But I would think those two tie together. Like, don't you want to win somewhere and get into a locker room and start building relationships and get with your guys and win a starting job? I mean, I I know that's something that we just assume is, hey, he just handed the job, but you still have to compete and show that you know the playbook. I'm just, I would be getting, I am, I'm not, I am frustrated as a fan of, man, let's go already. Like, I get you want to leave. That's great. But now you got to kind of get to where you want to go. And I just don't understand what you could be possibly waiting on anymore as a lot of these pieces are already in place. Yeah, like I, I agree with both you and Bud. I do think USC is still, you know, like Occam's razor. But I, I, I'm i kind of rooting for it to be Wisconsin just to see <laughs> how many heads explode over yeah. Caleb Williams choosing Wisconsin over USC. Just be, people like, what the hell is he doing? Why Wisconsin? Because... I think it does make some sense, even though I still think USC makes a lot more sense, but I, I just think it would be hilarious. So for, for the chip, wouldn't it be hilarious, yes. Principal? We are rooting yes. for Wisconsin. Yes, I'm rooting for Wisconsin because it would be hilarious. I want to see that player in the Big Ten West with Wisconsin, which, by the way, Caleb, you're going to have a better offensive line. I promise you. You, mm-hmm. are, you are going to be playing behind better offensive lines at Wisconsin than you are at USC or UCLA. So, you know, if you want to preserve that 1-1, one, one, um, then you can, you can go ahead and go for it. My my ultimate prediction, not ultimate, but I want to see it either on National Signing Day or Super Bowl Sunday. The man's a showman. <laughs> when he committed to Oklahoma, he did it on the 4th of July in yes. front of fireworks. Never forget the entertainment factor that Caleb Williams and his family have with these things. National Signing Day to totally steal the headlines from everybody else or Super Bowl Sunday which obviously wouldn't steal all the headlines, but it, you know, it gets, it gets the association in there. And that's, you know, yeah. Kudos to Caleb Williams because he had to dig himself out of a hole with me personally, because the day he did commit on HQ, I was the one tasked with working on the 4th of July to write that post up and then watch it and then write it after the announcement. So he kind of started in the doghouse with me and he quickly worked his way out. Um, Speaking of figuring out when to best time your announcement, we were actually talking about it. we were out on a freezing cold field uh, watching seven on. I finally got a little defined freezing I think, I think cold. For, yeah, was uh, thirty one and windy. <laughs> like, you poor four little thirty one is no joke, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, thirty one and four. Is, yeah, like no that joke. was crazy. I, I went and and uh, expensed about thirty bucks of, of hand and feet, like little packs you, you shake around and put them in your your pockets. You know, like the warmers. Yeah, uh, and, and gave gave them to our our, our crew out there. Um, this kid committed literally 30 minutes, like not scheduled to commit, just decided that 30 minutes after Tom Brady, uh, the, the, the news broke about his, his potential retirement. It's like, that's when I really want to do this. Like, that is probably the worst time you could ever drop news, like, after the best quarterback of all time, uh, allegedly. Or did, did he actually retire? I don't know. Wait, well, let's just say it a couple times for the algorithm. Tom Brady retirement. Tom Brady retirement. Tom Brady retirement. Tom Brady retirement. Yeah. I just, uh, I, don't, I don't want to go off topic here, but yeah. Memories of Tom Brady at Michigan. Click anyway, eight slides to see more. <laughs> I wanted to tell the kid like, hey, this is like, delete that and then just do it tomorrow. Just come back and do it again and no one yeah. will know. 
Um, all right. Some other uh, movement from around before we get into our national signing day preview. I can just Auburn uh, made an announcement over the weekend that it's got a big old contract for Bruce Pearl because Auburn is now a basketball school because it's making its basketball coaches among the top five, six or seven highly paid coaches in the country while it can't hold on to an offensive coordinator. What's happened? We, 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 if we're going to bring out Mario Cristobal and be like, Hey, why can't you get this thing settled? How about Brian Harson too? Uh, all the turnover that they've got going on there. And what we have, what two weeks that, uh, that they had an offensive coordinator and now we're back to, uh, trying to make a new hire. What's happening in, uh, in Harson's program right now. It's two more weeks. They've had an offensive coordinator than Miami's had. Fair. <laughs> so you congrats. You got that. I mean, I, I Auburn seems like a dumpster fire at the moment. Just, I don't know. I, I feel like, Bud, maybe you probably got better intel on this to me, but I just think that, you know, like we've talked about with Cristobal and his coordinators, Mario Cristobal is a demanding boss. He's hard, you know, some guys have a difficulty working for him. I think that some of these guys are getting to Auburn and maybe they're realizing, yeah, this is probably a one-year gig at most. And maybe the job does not look as appealing to them anymore. Let's go back to October. I offered y'all odds if you would take that Harson would be there on year three on for, for our show bets. And still, I think you, I think that was probably too too much bravado in that because you guys figured I knew something was up, right? You're like, ah, right. if you're gonna give thought. me odds, this is not, <laughs> we're not gonna do, like out of the blue. Um, I would still give you odds on that. Like I, I don't think that's who their power players at the school wanted to hire. I think they had some factions of boosters who wanted to hire different guys or do some kind of weird combination of internal promotions after they fired Malzahn. I think the AD seized control and went in and hired a guy who on the surface had a proven track record. And so far, again, things can change. I don't think it's guaranteed that he'll only be, to, be there two years, uh, but it does not, it has not gone well so far. I think somebody tweeted, and I wish I'd give him credit here. Uh, he has six wins and five coordinators uh, so far. <laughs> And all right, so Austin Davis is the name of the coordinator who was hired. He was hired from the Seattle Seahawks staff. You may remember his name because it was a four-year starter for Southern Miss mm -hmm. during a time where the Golden Eagles had it rolling in the Cayusa. Um, but he said in his statement that it's 100% based on personal reasons and the daily grind and wanting to spend more time with his family. If this is something that Austin Davis really is, is going through right now, then I hope that he gets the end result that he wants. And I, I apologize for... Making this seem reflective, but combined with replacing Mike Bobo after just one year, replacing Derek Mason after just one year, just the total overhaul that's going on within that program, it, it's just a, another level of uh, of surprising. And the, I mean, what is Zach Calzada and TJ Friendly is that quarterback room? Now we need an offensive coordinator. It's just a it's just really tough to find yourself in the ultra competitive SEC West, talking yourself into the immediate future of the Auburn Tigers. Also, it's, it's a dumpster or, fire. I mean, put Tom's for it. That's all it is right now. And they're they're becoming a joke. Like they're becoming the the punchline of a joke. And it's I don't I don't know what it is. If it's a Brian Harson personality conflict, if it's vision, it's just a bad fit in this portion of the country where it kind of seemed like an odd fit from the get go. It is it is bizarre to see what's unfolding. Yeah, it's I mean, it's I don't know if it's there yet. But I do feel like Auburn is very much trending into the new Tennessee kind of 
athletic department, just like the way things were there with the Vols for a while till they finally made a change. And now they, you know, they're hoping that they've settled in and they're heading in the right direction. I just feel like it's that same kind of thing going on at Auburn where there's too many people in charge and there's too many people hitting the reset button way too often instead of trying to build something and give it time. The the one counter I would say to that, and, and I, I know Auburn folks probably don't like me because I was, you know, down on the hire initially, is that Auburn seems to like to talk about it but they don't actually pull the trigger on firing guys all that often, right? Like every year, Tuberville got talked about, but they didn't actually fire him until like it was very clear that Saban was, was going to lap him. And he probably would have lapped anybody at that school. They talked about firing Gus nonstop, but they actually gave Gus, what was he there, 2012 to uh, to 20? I mean, that's, that's what, nine He's years? There for a while, yeah. So I, I, I guess – they they always seem to kind of like rabble rouse and talk, but they don't actually pull the trigger on firings all that much. And I do think that them dropping $5 million a year on the basketball coach uh, is instructive of what I think is probably going to come. Uh, if you get a new AD in there, which obviously, like I know Marcelo's com- uh, column today that he just dropped uh, mentions that new president, got a lot of money, got the SEC network money coming in. I don't think they have to become Tennessee. If they start firing a guy every two to three years, then then certainly. But one, two to three year firing, I don't know if it necessarily crushes you in the portal era, uh, whereas previously I think it kind of did. One other uh, hire announced, I guess officially here this afternoon, uh, it is Brian McClendon returning to his alma mater to be the wide receivers coach for the Georgia Bulldogs. The reigning national champions bring him back, of course, tons of family ties for McClendon to the Bulldogs program, but he was with Mario Cristobal down at Miami and had been with Cristobal uh, back since Oregon. This is but I, I will ask that you uh, offer your expertise here, but it seems to me, number one, he's a very, very good recruiter. Also, big minus for uh, Miami to be losing McClendon right now uh, here in the final moments of a time where the Hurricanes, I don't know if they're one of your storylines. It was definitely one thing I wanted to ask, but, but as the Hurricanes are looking for a strong close to try and finish in top 25, top 20, I think they're around 38 right now. Cristobal and the staff that is in flux has yet another job that uh, that needs to be replaced uh, here in the end of the month. Yeah, so a, a couple things here. One, um, that's not a great loss for Miami. Uh, or excuse me, that, that's not great for Miami to lose McClendon. Uh, he is a, a very good recruiter. Uh, number one receiver, Brandon Ennis, actually tweeted about that on Saturday from the 7-on-7 seven seven when, when he heard about the news. I, I retweeted him and pointed out like, this is yet another great reason why we need the transfer portal because coaches can come and coach somewhere for three weeks and then say peace. Uh, whereas under the old system, you were either locked in or you had to actually sit out a year, uh, whereas they could basically transfer uh, without real penalty. So um, I guess whoever eventually the Miami OC is will now get to maybe be the sole OC as opposed to the co-OC, which is technically what uh, what McClendon's title was. I, I I found that to be a little bit weird, unless it was one of those things in title only as a way to give the guy uh, more money. Um, I think you want McClendon on your staff for receiver development and for recruiting. Uh, I don't know how I don't know really how much OC he was going to be or not going to be. I really can't comment on that, but uh, certainly recruits down there are not in love with him leaving. Would you be surprised if after signing day on Wednesday, Cristobal quickly gets his coordinators? Is there no. like a chance? That, oh, yeah. Uh, so like, there's. 
because that's what I feel like part of this whole deal is too. like come Wednesday after these classes are finalized, moved on. We're going to see a whole lot more movement than we've seen already. Mm, very, very good point, Tom. I'm glad you uh, glad you brought it up. Last thing. Yep. Jim Harbaugh is minus 200 to be the next coach of the Miami Dolphins. Like, are you guys more believing of this? Because last week I was the Raiders, and then that was longer it goes on. Then you get another coach. I'm like, okay, if you're a Michigan fan, you breathe a, bit, uh, breathe a big sigh of relief. And then he interviews with Minnesota over the weekend. I'm looking at it as more likely that he's not the head coach of Michigan than I was last week where I was like, yeah, this is, sounds like a bunch of noise. I s- All right. Oh, go, you go first. Shout out to – I can't name him. But because I think they're supposed to remain, remain anonymous, my buddy writes those odds for some of those sites. Like he literally is the guy creating them, and he is a smart dude. And I'm not saying he doesn't do his research in him because he clearly does. But he's not somebody who I think has like insider info on who is going to be the next coach. Right. The main purpose of those odds on the gambling sites to actually take money on that are to get. There's a couple media in college football, and we all know a couple of them who will literally tweet out any press release. In fact, I've wanted to like create a fake company before and send them one just to see if I can get them to do it. Uh, and it, so thus, it creates free advertising for these offshore sports books. I don't take those things as gospel, personally. Like, They're not coming from somebody who doesn't know anything about the sport, but they're not like, I don't think they're sourced from agents and, and you know mega boosters and stuff. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't, I still don't think he's leaving Michigan. I think that, you know, it first started, oh, it was the Raiders. And then the Raiders didn't happen. It's like, okay, well, the Raiders isn't happening. And now all all of a sudden the Vikings are requesting permission to interview him. And it's like, but the one thing that is kind of weird is to me, like we saw when the Miami job first came open, Stephen Ross was adamant saying, I'm not taking Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan because he doesn't want to hurt Michigan. He's a Michigan guy. But, like, have you heard anything about the Miami Dolphins head coaching search? Like, have they interviewed anybody? I didn't know it was open. So I, <laughs> that's my point. Like, like you're seeing all these teams that have had head coaching openings in the NFL. And it's like they literally tweet every time they interview somebody. And then a thousand NFL beat reporters then, instead of just retweeting that, have to say the Bears have interviewed this and the Texans have interviewed this guy. Like, I haven't heard anything about the Dolphins coaching search, which is the only thing that makes me think that there's even a hint of a possibility. But I still think that this is all just Jim trying to get some of that money back. Minus 200? That's just the market. The same way that Michigan's always overhyped (laughs) for national title futures. Everybody's, you know, it's you got to protect yourself in case you go, because we've seen I'm not going to name a sports book. Uh the Bears, like there were odds on Matt Eberflus getting it at like plus like 13 to one and a bunch of people took it. And like this sports book was being very slow to pay it out because I don't think they planned on, you know, it being Eberflus based on the odds that they gave, even though it seemed like that was heading that way for a while here. So, yeah, I don't like Bud said, I don't really put too much stock in those odds. Um, what's the max bet on those? I know we're not going to name the book and give the free advertising. I've always thought they were all low, like all of the like really promotional stuff. I mean, odds on a coaching search are silly, right? Yeah, I don't think no data that you are using. (laughs) I don't know what the max is, but I doubt it could have been much more than a hundred bucks. That's my thought too. So minus 200, you're you're laying 200 to win a hundred. And for every, for every person they lose, like that they have to pay out on that bet. They're probably getting three or four first-time depositors who saw the, the, those odds. 
on social media decided to you know deposit and uh, and take a whack at it. Uh, we should share this this bit from Coca in, in the private chat. Uh, it was on his podcast. So uh, David Sampson said Stephen Ross was waiting for Harbaugh to interview for another job so that he can step in and get Harbaugh now that he's ready to leave Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan. Yeah, but okay. Coca Ross now he's ready to leave Michigan. Said Ross yeah. loves Michigan more than Miami. So basically, like the owner of the Ross is the Dolphins owner, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He went to Michigan and GM too. So yeah. he's okay with taking Harbaugh if Harbaugh was actually going to leave for Minnesota, but like wasn't plug him for Michigan otherwise. Correct. That's the that's the thought process down here in Miami is that they, he wasn't going to pluck him from there. Michigan's in a great spot, but if Harbaugh is looking to leave, which that's the thing I can't figure out too, and there was some back and forth between Pete Thamel and Mike Florio because Mike Florio said that Jim Harbaugh had interviewed with Minnesota, and then I think the ESPN article said expressed interest in interviewing but like if he's taking interviews that to me is like the all right he's gone like you start taking interviews you're you got one foot out the door so who replaces harbaugh <laughs> well that's luke fickle wouldn't that be i think great? The Ohio State josh gaddis gets a crack yeah. at it bill o'brien mm-hmm. you guys want to know the vegas odds on that one? do you really think that they would go do you think michigan would just promote the oc instead of going for luke fickle because no i think they'd go for fickle i don't know yeah. if fickle returns that call though he's oh yes a, he does there's i mean so. luke fickle you really buy into the whole like i'm to ohio state to take the michigan job not at all i think i think michigan is one of the very few jobs like fickle's been very selective i think that there are a few jobs or he's been you know these are the jobs I will leave Cincinnati for. And I got to think Michigan is on that list. Who else is? Mm, mm, we'll Michigan, keep our eyes on Ohio State. Gaddis is only 35. You know, that's a big job for him to step into mm-hmm. if he stayed with a coordinator. Uh, Mike Hart's 38. Like, you're going to go with a Michigan man, like maybe follow those. I don't know. At this too, point but... in the game, though, like, do you just go with somebody you kind of elevate from within and get a very friendly contract so that you can exit it if it doesn't work out? No, then you're sacrificing Mich- a year. You yeah, can't do that. Michigan State says no. You know, Michigan State lost Antonio at the beginning of February, went and got Mel Tucker after Mel Tucker had just done one year at Colorado, and that's worked out really well for Michigan State. I think you got to say, like, we maybe you do go get Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Sorry, Cyclones. I know making a coaching <laughs> hire right now is going to be really tough, but can yeah, Matt I- Campbell recruit there? I don't know. That's the he thing. I mean, look, it is a different game finding those finding those gems and trying to consistently win eight games, seven games at Iowa State, and then occasionally you know leveling up versus playing the other game and and needing to be in the race for the elite kids out there. That is a different skill set. It's not the same shit. Or sorry, but it's it, not the same. But isn't the Michigan like OKG play a little bit different than trying to go run against Ohio State, Alabama? Georgia, Texas A&M, and the other schools that we're about to talk in our you know signing day storyline. Like, aren't you operating more in the ten to fifteen kind of range? Yeah, there's there's an OKG aspect to what Michigan does, but they still recruit highly talented players. So it's like there's kind of a blend to it, but they're not you know it's it's they're not they're not a let's get three stars and develop them into men. They're like no, let's get five or four stars and develop them into NFL players. They're right. top ten last two years. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so we'll so we've we've got Caleb Williams watch, we've got Jim Harbaugh watch, we've got a national signing day coming up, which is why we will let you know the names of the top prospects, almost all of them committing on CBS Sports HQ. Make it your home for National Signing Day. The storylines and more for National Signing Day next. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The 2022 recruiting cycle will close with National Signing Day this Wednesday. Of course, many of the top prospects were part of the early signing period, but there are still some key ones left and some movement that can be made uh, but I want to start with a, sort of a simple question. Is it possible for anyone other than Texas A&M to finish with the number one class in the country? It is. Okay, so on the overall recruiting rankings, which combines recruiting and transfers, it is slightly possible. On the recruiting-only side, it is, and barring something crazy, probably not possible. Uh, A&M at this point is really only battling history, right? Can it overtake the 2021 Alabama class as the highest rated recruiting class ever? ever. Uh, now, there's a weird situation where there was some, some Twitter smoke that perhaps you could have a top 2023 kid reclassify into the 2022 class. Now, I haven't heard anything more about that today, but I've also been in a lot of meetings, so I, I haven't been you know texting around. If that were to happen and A&M were to miss out on everybody else, and maybe that kid were to go to like Georgia or Bama, and Bama also picked up like another top kid, then there could be some drama. But I would say that's that's pretty long shots, long shot type stuff. It, it's really just kind of A&M against 2021 Bama. The is is Prime gonna do it again? Is he it, could. Is, if Jackson State ends up as the pick for Harold Perkins, and Harold Perkins is the top-rated, uncommitted, or unsigned prospect in the 2022 class, a five-star linebacker, a dude who's just uh, athletically absolutely crazy. He he committed to Texas A&M at the Under Armour All-America game at the beginning of January. Then he decided to reopen his commitment. He's taken official visits to Florida, an official visit to LSU just this past weekend, Everything, all the intel from Steve Wiltfong has indicated that Harold Perkins and his family truly are looking at three options. And on by Wednesday, they'll have a decision. But according to all the intel that his family is uh, is given uh, Wiltfong, it seems like it's still up in the air at this point. But there's also this sort of Jackson State potential, right? Am I am I wrong about this? Because we've gotten the like Sanders is kind of hinting that he might have another splash, he might have another shocker. And with so few elite prospects left, um, I, I can only think that this would be the one that we're keeping our eyes on, right? I think that would be certainly one uh, to keep an eye on. Maybe also Shamar Stewart. Uh, potentially, we, we were actually at dinner trying to guess if Dion has somebody. Is it somebody? Uh, who's going to be announcing on CBS HQ. 
uh, or is it somebody uh, who's maybe committed to another school right now who, for whatever reason, academics hasn't signed, who he thinks he can get into Jackson State, and thus it would, like from an image standpoint, it would look like he pulled a coup uh, and beat out a, you know, a good Power 5 program for a kid when people don't know this, but like, you can be committed. And, uh, some people probably know this. Not everybody who listens to us knows this. You can be committed uh, to a school. And then if the school doesn't think that you're actually going to be able to qualify, a lot of times they won't actually send you a letter of intent like they used to in the old days because the sign in place thing isn't as doable nowadays uh, simply because of the issue of limited spots in the class. You cannot pull the Houston nut thing and, or, or, you know, whomever you want to use for back in the day example and sign 40 guys and then enroll 27 of them. So that could also be something Dion wants to pull here. We, we have seen this happen, by the way. Part of the part of the way he's built that roster there uh, in Jackson, you know, is, is basically getting some kids who were Under Armour All American, uh, either in the game or you know, guys who were that level who could have been picked for the game, but for some reason either didn't qualify or ended up not being allowed into school. And, and he's loaded that roster there with. Um, He's been creative in the ways that he's got some really good players there to Jackson. I don't know if that's really a repeatable skill at other schools, like taking the the you know some some of that type of stuff. Uh, but I'm going to be watching on 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 CBS HQ to see what he does. What are the other name? What are so in addition to Perkins? Who are some of the other players that were in Shamar Stewart? Uh, who are the other ones we're keeping our eyes on in terms of ones that are really going to move the needle? Yeah, so there's a couple. First, I I think just if if I want to give everybody a little rundown, Harold Perkins is really a pretty freaky player, guys. Um, Just natural nose for the ball. Uh, He's pretty jacked. He's got great length. He's a a true three-down linebacker. He can blitz. I think he can cover. But we we, we love the kid as far as as his ranking. We, We have him as the number one linebacker in the country, the number five overall player in the country out of Cypress, Texas. So, um, there's a reason everybody wants him. Like he's a guy who could play from day one, even on some of the better defenses in, in the country. Shamar Stewart, South Florida kid, uh, again, I believe another HQ. You guys have been doing all the write-ups, right? I, I, I was looking at the rundown earlier. Um, Shamar Stewart's a guy just – he was early on uh, potentially the number one player in the class. And it's a good example. Like rankings do change. He didn't finish number one overall for us, but, but he certainly finished as a really highly rated player length he's got some agility to him ability i think to probably be you know 270 uh in college and and be a real impact three down edge defender so two really important guys there uh two more uh devin campbell who's an offensive lineman out of texas all indications at this point are that texas looks pretty good there for devin campbell he's a five-star type player and of course uh, texas really been taking care of its offensive line lately if you guys been following the news so uh they, they look like they're beefing up their their offensive line and their protection for those those studs that we talked about at the skill positions in recent weeks. Um, the other guy, Jacoby Matthews, is an interesting battle here, right? There's there's a couple schools involved. The, the, the real school I want to see here is LSU. LSU has done a tremendous job in the transfer portal. I do think that's probably the school that Lane Kiffin was talking smack to on Twitter when he posted the Portal King uh, meme today or yesterday. I, I don't know. I've worked like 10 days in a row. Uh, but um, w- when he posted that meme, because they were kind of going back and forth with uh, LSU and Ole Miss in the transfer rankings. Um, 
LSU, this is kind of that one kid that Brian Kelly would want to be able to go snag from the high school ranks if he can uh, to see if he can really put a nice stamp on this LSU class, which right now is only 18th in the recruiting rankings, but in the combined rankings, which are transfer and recruit, they're actually eight. So LSU has done most of its damage this year with its available slots uh, in the portal. But it is important to do the high school stuff. You don't see these national championship type teams taking eight, 10, 12 transfer guys typically. You know, Bama and Georgia those usually take two to three, sometimes four, sometimes one. Uh, the high school levels are still really important, and that'll be interesting to see if LSU can pull that off. Here's a question for you going back to what we discussed earlier. Josh, is it Connerly or Connerly? I believe it's Connerly. Josh Connerly Jr., offensive tackle out of Seattle, five star, number 15 overall in the 24 7 composite. Crystal Ball has him 50% Washington, 50% Michigan. If he chooses Washington, does that mean Jim Harbaugh's leaving for the NFL? Of course. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the guy from Seattle chooses Washington, mm-hmm. That's what'll tell us what's happening with Jim Harbaugh. Won't have anything to do. Let's all agree that that's what we're going to run with if it happens. So, what about the first-year coaches? That's I mean, this it is an easy topic, but this year it is particularly fascinating because as we were going through doing the prep and the write-up for these HQ announcements, a lot of these guys are going to Gainesville and having really good things to say about the time that they're spending with Billy Napier's staff. Mario Cristobal has, you know, David Lake had a good, who's a, a friend of the Cover Three podcast. He had a write up detailing exactly what the path is to be able to get Miami up into the top twenty. Um, they've got, uh, oh man, who's the the big offensive lineman who is being uh, recruited to Oregon before Cristobal left? Anyway, they've got some four star players on the board that could really be a part of that rise. Um, Brian Kelly at LSU, clearly a big part of this as well. Who who among those sort of first-year coaches do you think has, uh, has has been able to do some real significant work with their time in January, trying to get these kids on campus, try to make contact, try to be able to sell them uh, on the future of their program? So a, a couple staffs have, have gone about this in, in different ways. Uh, from the high school ranks, the, the one that I would really point to the best, uh, they already had a great head start when their coach left. But it is to their credit that Brent Venables and, and Jeff Levy and their whole recruiting staff, that they're able to keep this thing together. Now, it's not a top five class, uh, but Oklahoma still has a top 10 class in the recruiting ranks. They, they kept a lot of these good guys in the fold, and they it was not all, hey, it was Lincoln Riley and not Norman. Now, granted, I don't think that Norman's necessarily like a destination city, uh, but they were able to sell the history and tradition of that program really quite well to where Oklahoma's still 10th in the country, uh, and I believe they're, what, eighth in the portal or eighth in the overall, which means they've also done a decent job uh, in the recruiting or on, on the portal side of things, excuse me. Uh, so that, that would, on the high school side, would be the one that I would point to the most. LSU's done a decent job on the high school side, but they already had a, a pretty solid start. Keeping quarterback Walker Howard in the fold uh, was probably the number one priority for Brian Kelly and his staff. And, of course, uh, if you guys recall, Walker Howard, the only real school that, that people thought he might flip to was Notre Dame when Brian Kelly was there. So when Brian Kelly went to LSU, that was that was probably a wrap, right? Um, now, the one thing I point out here is that the guys hired in 18 and 19 really were at a bit of a disadvantage with the combination of the early signing period and also 20. The combination of the early signing period, but without the 
instant eligibility of the portal. So they had to go and they had to take large high school recruiting classes. And because you couldn't go out and get a bunch of portal kids, they would have to sit. The last two classes, so the one that's going to sign Wednesday and the one that signed last year, I think you saw coaches begin to really wise up on this, or wise up's the wrong term. Take advantage of the new rules of the portal. If I'm a new high school guy, or if if I'm a new head coach, I'm not taking more than like, I don't know, 12, 14 high schoolers at that. Give me a bunch of transfers who I know can play at that level, who I don't have to build all these relationships with. And then the next year, I'll follow it up and I'll go and sell playing time. And hey, man, we didn't take very many high schoolers last year. We just got here. We didn't want to just throw out scholarships and make, quote unquote, four-year mistakes on guys that we didn't know. Uh, I think you're seeing that a lot this year. Look at the split. LSU 18th in recruiting, 9th in the overall. Miami 38th in recruiting, 25th in the overall. You know, Florida 26th and 18 on that split. So they're not using a whole lot of spots on high schoolers who, again, when you have 85% of your kids signing in the early period, some of the kids who wait do so because they have leverage or because they were discovered late. Some of these kids, though, are available for a bad reason, which we've talked about. Competitive temperament, character, family issues, mental health issues, whatever it is, um, academics. I think it's smart not to load up on that kind of stuff in your first year when you only have a couple of weeks before the ESP to put your class together. Interesting. So who do you have coaches that you have that come to mind when you singled out the 1819 cycles? Sure. I mean, look, uh, Dan Mullen couldn't couldn't take a, a class of a bunch of portal kids. Willie Tiger couldn't. Jimbo Fisher couldn't. And they really they got very little out of those first classes they signed. Uh, pull up tw- who was hired in 2019. It's it's going to be the same story. Their attrition rates for that first class they signed when they only have a couple couple weeks or sometimes only a couple days to get most of those kids in uh, are are bad. Their attrition rates are really bad. They're, a lot of times it's fool's gold and you're getting kids uh, for, a, a, let's say, a bad reason. Just maybe they're available for a reason that's not a positive reason. And so I think attacking it via the portal uh, and then saving those scholarship spots for the next year to where you can sell playing time because you have a gap in the high schoolers you took makes a whole lot of sense. Anything else we should uh, be keeping our eyes on in terms of a, a storyline or, or a team or a, a prospect for uh, for Wednesday? I am interested, and now, of course, I forget the name. Um, Alabama took Kentucky's uh, offensive line coach. I think that's a great get for them with with Marone off to, what, the NFL? Mm -hmm. Kentucky, recruiting-wise, has a like one of their best classes they've ever signed. They're they're 13th. They have nine four-stars in in the class. Uh, The reemergence of Stanford. Stanford this year, I believe, has found ways to kind of signal to kids that they would be able to get them in. Uh, Early signing period – 18, 19, 20, and 21 really kind of crushed Stanford. And ultimately, uh, you know, now they're they're kind of back. That's great. I, that, those are kind of the main ones. Arizona, I think, is doing a pretty nice job combined between recruiting and overall. So maybe with Arizona State just sort of uh, spinning its wheels in a way, you know, like maybe Arizona could take advantage of that with Jed Fish. Yeah, the uh... – the Arizona State football program currently under NCAA investigation uh, for hosting, allegedly hosting recruits during the COVID-19 dead period. We've got offensive coordinator Zach Hill, tight ends coach Adam Brenneman resigned from their positions. Uh, also wide receivers coach Prentice Gill and secondary coach Chris Hawkins were fired for cause. So there's uh, there's some room 
for our beloved Arizona Wildcats, Jed Fish's team that plays hard. Plays hard. They play hard. And as long as we're ahead of the market with this hard-playing Wildcats team, they will be our team. Don't make them a favorite, but we still like them because they play hard and cover spreads. Hmm. Any any thought on uh, Arizona State? I mean, is this just what you're going to get when you get into the NCAA investigation um, process? At some point, you're going to lose some assistance. Somebody's going to catch a show cause. You're going to... It's going to end up being something that you got to rebuild from. You take your lumps and, and keep it moving. Well, I don't know if this is insider info. It's just the opinion of some folks I've spoken with who are coaches who are speculating about like what jobs might come open. And they basically said, like, look, the AD is not going to fire Herm Edwards because the AD is like very tied. Uh, Ray Edward, or, uh, it's his Ray, agent, Ray Edward. It's his yeah. agent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's his old agent. So if you're going to get Herm Edwards out, you're probably going to have to just clean house in the athletic department. And that's just not a move you're going to make quickly. So who knows? Maybe they try to ride it out. You know, if we get this new NCAA constitution and all these new rules in, maybe they just say, hey, all all, uh, all old transgressions are gone and clean slate. And none of this stuff like Tennessee having to report that a recruit was involved in the vol walk temporarily. Oh, no. Like he walked down the sidewalk where fans were. Um, Honestly, I still don't know that I've recovered from that. From Tennessee's <laughs> vol walk violations. Yeah. yeah I mean, I. I consider myself a man of integrity and just when that happened, it's like, wow, everything I thought was right about the sport and good has suddenly been called into question. Yeah. Yeah. Devastating. That's, yeah. We got it. That's the, the new constitution is supposed to eliminate all the dumb stuff, right? Do you have faith in that? <laughs> and create a lot more dumb stuff in all likelihood. Yeah. I, I have faith that schools are probably going to, um, they realize they're still going to spend a lot of money. I think they're always going to try to not pay the players out of their own, like, you know, ticket sales and TV contract money if they can hold off in doing so. But they do spend a lot of money on these compliance departments to enforce rules that I'm not really sure need to be rules. Um, and I don't know that there's necessarily like an NCAA compliance lobby, like there are maybe in some other aspects of the country where certain rules are still enforced because you know they they when people get arrested for those rules they end up like you know employing a boatload of people uh so it wouldn't shock me if they eliminate some rules and shift some of those resources to other things in-house like nil or portal scouting or in-house media departments or or what have you college football programs are job creators baby and if that means we need like six people to make sure you don't stray off course from the vol walk (laughs) (laughs) what we do to maintain a program of integrity all right we will be back on wednesday for national signing day coverage uh like bud you you're gonna be on cbs sports hq i'm I'm assuming yeah yep cbs sports hq 24 7 sports uh the the coverage the analysis it is the best in the business so make sure that you stay locked in here we will also be uh giving you some of that as well on Wednesday. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Canell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.